Hey, Steve. And Chris. You horribly clipped out there. Oh, my bad. Try it again. Do it again. Hey, Chris. There we go. There we go. I got a belly full of ramen and a glass full of whiskey, and we've got Discord audio technical issues. It can only be podcast night. All right. I'm out of ramen, and my <laughs> beer was too old. Oh, I but mean real ramen. I, I don't mean like instant ramen. I mean I went to the ramen shop. Oh, man. <laughs> you know what I discovered? Did I tell you this? No. I went to a ramen shop. I thought it wasn't very good, and then... I went back and I asked about like the spice level and I had them make it like a five out of five on the spice level. It was amazing. It was like the best thing I've ever had in my life. So apparently I just need to make sure when I go get ramen, I have them make it extra spicy for me. You need the spicy ramen like in destiny. It's like the digital life is leaking that much into your real, your real self, your real human personality. It's true. I mean, I'm the guy who like went through a whole pack of that like Korean extra spicy chicken stuff, um, you know, and it wasn't even like for the lols or for, <laughs> you know, my TikTok fans or something like that. <laughs> I'm sure you've got plenty of I those. Have, I don't have a TikTok, um, so I don't have any fans. As you shouldn't. You're like, what, 30, 30 some years? I'm 36, therefore you're, what, 38? Yeah, 38. So I mean, Yeah, we I'm shouldn't have TikTok. We shouldn't have TikTok. Probably not. No, Probably but not. today we are indeed discussing matters such as video games that we have been playing. Um, yes. We've got a whole bunch that we're going to cover. Uh, the original order I sent to you is not what we're going to be going with. We are going to be going with what? a sandwich where the bread is the good part and everything in the middle is the less good part. So it sounds like a weird sandwich. <laughs> I know. Usually you, you want the bread to be the least noticeable part. Good, good bread, but um no, we're going to discuss in this order, I think, Scarlet Nexus, Back for Blood. Kenna, Bridge of Spirits, and then Guardians of the Galaxy. So we've got a lot of stuff that over the past month we've been playing that I yes. think should fill out a pretty decently sized episode. Um, so let us, I guess, get started. Uh, the, no wasting of time. No, just jump right in. So we're going to transition. And here we go. We've got some image background. Uh, for the viewers that are for the live viewers on Twitch, and of course, if you're listening on the podcast later, uh, the audio podcast later, then you will no doubt just be hearing us talk. So, Scarlet Nexus was free on Game Pass way sooner. Well, free quotes, way sooner than I had expected it to be on Game Pass. I don't know about you, but for me, it was like, oh. This is this is on Game Pass already. I was yeah, expecting it, at least six months. It did hit pretty fast. Um, what's funny is I actually ended up buying it on PS5 uh, because uh, reasons. But yeah. <laughs> so oh well, it was free on Game Pass. I played it on PS5 anyway for money. That's funny. I'm a sucker. Uh, yes, you are. Um, but no, the um. 
I have you've already beaten the first campaign. I've not beaten it. You technically, as you've even noted, you technically don't have to beat both. I think it's pretty clear that the quote unquote full experience, the full story is going to be with both characters campaigns. But my guess is they're very, very much mirrored, like all the same levels. Yeah. All the same, like just slightly different cuts, and even not if not like the exact same levels, because I know in the demo it was the same tutorial mission, um, the same little opening tutorial thing that tells you all the controls, and then even though um, I'm already forgetting the character names, it's been a few weeks. Um, uh, Yuito and Kasane. Yuito, yes, Yuito's the guy. He goes through like one sort of abandoned city zone and then Kasane goes through a construction zone. But aside from being slightly different like levels, which both get access to later on, the same story beats occur. Um, right. You have the mention, uh, like you have, like each one has their um, operator on the on the line that's you know communicating from headquarters or whatever that's telling them this is where you go this is what you do um and then you have some of the introduction of all the characters very similar roles each of them has a sort of parallel power and then you know by the end when you have your surprise boss fight all the cameras zoom in and are like, oh, you know, all the news agencies are interested in this person and someone's got to run distraction. And it's like almost the exact same story, which even though I haven't finished this campaign, I feel like is part of the idea. Like there's a very red string of fate element going here. Like that's, right. the, that's the running motif. I don't know if I want to call it theme, but it's definitely the running motif. And so... I wanted to look up and see, because I know like Red String of Fate is one of those things that happen. Like they, they run into that often in anime. It's a lot like the blue ogre, red ogre myth or story or fairy right. tale that like keeps coming back over and over. So I'm wondering if um, there's a little, like there's an origin of the story that has more meaning than just, oh, we're connected by fate. But it's, it also creates the parallels, right? So yeah, so you oh you haven't finished the game yet, right? What chapter are you on? I was just finishing chapter nine, about to start chapter ten. So I I literally have one third of the story left. But as we'll discuss in a bit, I've hit the point where there's so much um, completionism or desire, right. like, like potential completionism, that it slowed me down, and also. Life circumstances with the Koof and helping family with recovery and stuff like that. That has also, like, I stopped playing this game because I did not want to play a game that was a lot of text, a lot of dialogue, and was going to be rough to concentrate. And also, like, after 10 minutes of playing, I was going to need to possibly get up again and help somebody. So I needed, like, I took a big pause from this game and still haven't gone back. Yeah, and, and that I, I think that that does make sense. I actually I'm going to be totally honest with you. Um, some of the like l the characters I didn't care about um, by the end, I just straight up skipped some of the interaction scenes because I was also trying to grind up the levels to to unlock all of the you know the uh, the battle upgrades for each character, and I was just like. 
there was one or two characters I was just like I could not care less about. Like the one guy who's like a total jerk to Yoito. Oh um, yeah. I like honestly like I tried watching some of his interactions and like all right, this guy's the worst. And I ended up just skipping all of those. So I honestly like So that was actually one aspect of it that I felt like was they could have added some additional replay value in there, but the way they structured the system, like, so, so thinking about um, a persona game uh, as an example, where in persona, you basically have to each slot of character interaction, you have to choose one character and do their interaction essentially. Um, assuming you have the right, you know, the right affinity points and all that other stuff for it. And so what it does is it creates a better flow where I think something Scarlet Nexus kind of missed on was each point you can do as many of them as you have available, essentially. Yeah. Uh, so it really starts bogging the game down when you're especially so. You, so this is like a minor spoiler eventually the teams will merge and so you'll have the ability to do like interactions with every single character in the game for the last couple chapters and it just really slows down where the narrative's really picking up and full sprint to the finish you're like getting bogged down with with like okay i've got 10 characters I need to do five of the longer interactions and five of the shorter interactions. And I need to get gifts for all 10 of them. And it is, I would say that's the weak point of the game is if it had been balanced such that more like a persona game where you are choosing one or two interactions per chapter and having to sort of suffer for the fact that maybe that would have encouraged some replay value as well is if you couldn't level up all your characters in one playthrough, you know, you know what I mean? Like there, there I feel like there would have yeah. been, I think part of it too is opportunity. Yeah. that merging of the teams. It, it, it's like when you're just getting like really good with unlocking all of your characters abilities and now you can unleash additional attacks with all of your team. And now all of a sudden you have double the team members and you've got to really sort out, okay, well, most of these abilities are also kind of duplicate. Like they're unique, but they're duplicate. Like everyone has a, has everyone on each member of the, on each team has a sort of parallel ability. Right. You have lightning, so you, you have, have fire, lightning, you, have you have speed, fire. you have teleportation. Speed and teleportation. Um, yeah. You have, yeah, you basically have this person counters this person, this person counters this person. You have all of that stuff going on, and you don't need that much more um, to it. And you're right, it slows the game down right when you're ready to just speed on through. And for me, being the completionist, and I'm, and I'm also playing on normal difficulty, and most cases, normal difficulty is fine. It's balanced, it's fine with like the normal combat it's when you hit the bosses that everything suddenly becomes a bullet sponge or damage sponge. 
So I want to make sure all of my weapons are maxed out. And that even means if I'm going to be summoning these guys into battle to join me, I want to make sure all of their gear is maxed out as well. And so now I've been... It's like I was I was like feeling like I was going at this game at a real place and it starts at a good clip, right? Like this game is yeah. like when you start playing and you're going through the chapters you're like, man, I'm going to beat this in 20 hours. Man, I wish I had more JRPGs I could just beat in 20 hours. And then because they add the completionist stuff and it's also like because you got to get materials to upgrade those weapons and some of those materials like you really got to grind for them. Um, there's one zone in particular where you can hop on one bus, drive into enemies, hop on another bus, drive into enemies and get more of the battle records that you need. But it's like, okay, I got to do this, what, three or four times in a row in order to get all of the materials I need for all of the upgrades I need. And that's just for some of the upgrades. I have right. other materials for like gifts and stuff. You need materials for gifts to exchange. And it's like, I actually had to look up a guide. It's like, wait a minute. I haven't been picking up this item. Why am I not picking up this item from these enemies? It says I need to, Oh, I need to go to this location and try fighting them here and doing this and picking them up. Yeah. And it's like, this is so much padding. It's like you guys knew that, that I think is the downside. This whole fate um, system where you had the two campaigns you only had enough material for a 20-hour JRPG. And that's fine. Even if you want to have, like, we're going to then create a mirror campaign with this second group of characters. It's going to be slightly different. But that's fine because, okay, you, you give a new game plus or you allow players to play on easy mode and then they can just, you know, go through that second campaign. But it's like, if you don't, like, don't, don't be self-conscious about having a 20-hour JRPG. We need more of those, honestly. We don't yeah, need every think, game to be Persona. Um, I think that it would have been... A, it would have been... So we've been a little, we're being a little negative right now. We're kind of focusing on the one negative aspect of this game. We are. Uh, the I think it would have been better if the two campaigns were balanced out to be about 12 hours each with another maybe like six hours of completionist content sort of deal or like a you know you would have you could do a third run and that would be in new game plus for like completionist typing i think it, that would have been that would have made for a better game um but the actual when you're not just trying to manage the relationships um and all of that actual gameplay is really inventive and fun i, I think I, I struggle to call it inventive but that's partially because i struggle to call anything inventive i'm too old and jaded but i do think like i think one of the ways i described it is it's like a jrpg version of control because you're always flinging stuff you're always flinging telekinesis and the game wants you in that flow where you're flinging yeah. telekinesis then you're immediately launching the attack button so you launch forward you do a quick combo and then as soon as you hit kinesis again the character automatically jumps back which is a more effective dodge so if you can figure out the timing of an enemy's enemy's attack it's better for you to like you know just slash at them until they're going to attack then immediately hit the button for kinesis so that you jump backwards throw an object at them and you've avoided any damage you've hit them again 
And you're also trying to increase their, I guess you could call it stagger, because that's what, you know, spoilers for what we're discussing later is Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, and they call it stagger. It's a very similar system, oddly enough. Yeah, Um, lots of, lots of, I feel like the stagger gauge is pretty, uh, you know, pretty universal break and stagger and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, even you, so you haven't played, I was just thinking about, we were talking about Final Fantasy 13. 13 and 13 oh, in the yeah. chat. Numbers. That's a game. big part of the Final Fantasy 13 com- uh, combat system. But anyway, so... Well, if you want to be so that where, guy... Yeah, where it gets really interesting to me, though, is combining that with all of the powers and abilities. So late in the game, even though I, I'm going to admit that I'm a noob here and played on easy mode uh, just to, to get the win. Um, <laughs> and I don't even, blame so you, honestly. The... The last couple dungeons, they really even on easy mode, they they force you to find the correct solution to defeating the enemies, and almost entirely you'll get you know an entire room full of enemies, each of which has a unique solution for defeating it. You need to use you know super speed or teleport to get close to do the hit before it shields itself or. You need to use an element to do this or anyway, but what it encourages you to do is combine all these ability. They're using the duplicate ability plus fire, uh, plus super speed, and then throw in lightning too. So when you do, uh, you know, the, the, the square, square, light, light, light attack combo, you're creating, you know, fire vortexes. And then when you do your heavy combo, you're doing lightning combos and you're also multiplied. So every time you do any combo, you're actually doing it four times instead of just one. And you're doing it at super speed uh, (laughs) and you're just wrecking massive battlefields full of enemies that are otherwise very challenging. And it's 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 somewhat unique. I can't think I can't put my finger on any game that's done something quite like that. Yeah, and I could say that much. Like it's it, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel like it's an evolution that's pushing genres forward, but at the same time it's like this is a nice little combination of systems that is forcing you to think about all of the systems at your disposal, all of the abilities of your teammates that you get to use, right? And it's funny because the more I think about this, the more it will have in common with Guardians of the Galaxy. But this is more about you because you are able to take your allies' abilities and use them yourself. And as you say, like while the, you know, having all of these abilities impacts the way you attack, you also then have your other abilities that summon them to do and hit an attack. And their attacks, like the more of theirs you do, the more it impacts the enemy's stagger gauge. Like there's this combo-ish system. And I think the, the combo system could use a bit more feedback uh, to get a little bit more negative Nancy yeah. there. But like you, you could use but when you use their attacks where it's like you you summon, you know, I'm gonna hit the enemy a couple of times, and I'm gonna summon in my buddy, the, uh, then I'm gonna summon it in this buddy, which is gonna launch up into the air. And then summon another buddy, which might do a downward attack once I summon them in. So you're able to figure out these combos and the stagger gauge increases. And that's really important when you're fighting bosses because the bosses, as I said, are damage sponges. And the faster you can increase that stagger gauge, you can get a point where you can take a huge chunk of their health out. Unfortunately, it feels like it takes so long to build the stagger gauge up 
that you should be dealing more damage than you are because it's possible to fill the stagger gauge up like two and a half times in a single fight before the boss is dead. And again, that stagger gauge does not fill quickly. It does take time. So and then there's, yeah, there's other stuff that I haven't actually used particularly much like the, the brain, was it brain field? Um, which oh, is sort of like a yeah, overdrive the, the, thing. The, I forget what it is. It is sort of an overdrive, which when, well, part of it's because they kind of scare you out of it. It's like you have a limited time before it starts to kill you, but it's like the game will just stop you and be like, by the way, you should probably hit these buttons to exit now. Yeah, yeah. So I use yeah. that quite a bit, but it's also one of those, you kind of want to save it for a, you know, you want to save it for a really tough fight. And yeah, then I, saying, I found like it was, it was the sort of thing that I'm like, oh, I should save this for a really tough fight. And then I just kept on saving it. It's sort of like the mega elixirs in Final Fantasy, right? Yeah. You're like, I'm gonna save this. I gotta save this for the for like a really tough fight. I don't want to use it here. And, and then you get to the end of the game, you've got five mega elixirs. Like, okay. Um But I do think it's it's funny. So three of the, the big games I've played this year now, Tales of Arise, um Scarlet Nexus. Scarlet Nexus, and then Guardians of the Galaxy, which we'll talk more about later, do really have this one, it's a you're you're on a team and you have this whole thing where you are constantly borrowing attacks and abilities from the rest of your team, essentially. Um, and I think it's, it's just kind of an odd thing for you know three three RPG ish games, three somewhere on the RPG spectrum for all three games. Um, you know, all kind of squad based. And then all kind of having the same mechanic where it's a lot about doing these quick attacks where you're calling on other members of your party to either enhance your attacks or to come in and do a follow-up attack or whatever else it is. It's kind of an interesting thing if uh, apparently that's how, where we're all at in uh, in 2021, I guess. Yes. Once upon a time, it was, every, it was like the main character's always got to be a woman with a bow. And now we are... Guy and his team, or something like that. Like that's yeah. that's a trend of twenty twenty one. Last thing I wanted to touch on is this game's look and aesthetic because it's like one of those things that I love and I hate. Um, in regards to like anime cell shading, I definitely love the look of this game. It looks gorgeous. All the characters look really good. The animation looks really good. Um, I kind of hate how the cutscenes are mostly visual novel style. It feels like like. The way they marketed this game made it seem like this was a bigger budget title than it actually is. Yeah, and it was a little, it was a little jarring. Also, again, also from the same publisher, you know, coming from Tales of Arise, where everything was fully you know animated cutscenes, not animated, but fully interactive cutscenes. But yeah. anyway, you had to go to this visual novel style. This one is definitely a smaller budget game. They didn't give it as much money because it's a new IP. You don't know if it's going to succeed or not. Uh, even though they also did the video game, uh, the anime tie-in rather. Which, oh, that's my favorite. Did you find that in the uh, the diner? Where it's like, here's our little side quest. By the way, you gotta find a secret passcode that's in uh, specific episodes of the anime. So watch the anime and it's like, I'm sitting there like, Holy crap, this is like a real, you know, be sure to drink your Ovaltine moment. 
I haven't hit this in a oh, video yeah. game in a long time. Like something this way, like this way they deal with it. And then like, cause I went online and I got all the codes. I didn't, I'm not going to watch the anime. I'm going to do this entire sub quest all at once. And it really yeah. is a be sure to drink your Ovaltine moment because you don't really get anything of value from following through that quest. You get yeah. additional background information on the characters, yeah. but it's all from the the from the perspective of someone that's trying to intentionally like tarnish their reputation. And so it's like it's like basically it's like this person, well, they can't be that good, right? Uh, it turns out they sleep with their teddy bear still. What kind of a grown adult still sleeps with their teddy bear? Come on, right? And it's like, really? This this is what you got? You don't actually have real substantial character and it's like that actually could be an interesting area to delve further into some of the details that you discover like um the uh the 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 clairvoyant girl um right. she's one of the characters in the slideshow here and she has like the, the her, one of the more interesting things about her character and each of these characters does have some interesting details right um but her, what I like about her is that, you know, her ability is seeing, it's clairvoyance, it's the ability to see, and yet her actual vision is starting to dwindle. Like, she's she's effectively going blind. And mm -hmm. it's just, like, a line dropped. Like, it's not, like, something delve, like that they delve into. It's just a minor thing that it's like, oh, yeah, my sight's going bad. And it's like, oh, uh, interesting. Y you want to embellish? And the game's like, not really. Yes. So it's like, well, okay, character detail that you just just drop there and just leave it. Um, so it's, and that's one of the funny things too, is like these are actually pretty good characters too. Just they don't really delve into them. I don't think they delve into them that well because there's a lot yeah, of interesting for all stuff. Of the time, but, for all the time that you spend on these character side quests, right? Like, I feel like you don't actually... Some of the characters more than others, but for the most part, it does feel like they could have gone a lot more less surface level with with some of the characters. Yeah, um, like, I feel like some of the... Like, a lot of the character stuff ends up being all, li like, little moments because they have things like... That clairvoyant girl also really loves plants, but that's what they lean into. Her full side quest chain is her and plants. It doesn't lean into anything else. And then you have um, moments like Hanabi where, I mean, her whole thing is that she has a crush on main character boy, Yuito, and he's completely oblivious to it. Um, yeah. But then you have like where you can get everyone on your team, the racquetball rackets. And after you gift hers, you'll see her in the little exercise room practicing with it. And it's like, oh, that's cute. She's like, she's all spunky and stuff practicing. And it's like just a little character touch. And you get yeah. the one kid a drone. and Well, the one kid that's technically an adult, but he's a kid. You get the him kid. a drone and you see yeah. him like playing with it a little bit. And it's like. Yeah. So that was actually, I thought that was a cool thing they did with the gifts where they, and you, you start out with this bare room that you're is your hideout bunker, yeah. and then yeah and then by the end it's filled with all of this personality and where some aspects as we've already discussed at length some aspects of the character quests and the various things come up short i did feel like that was something that just felt good in the game was was looking walking around towards the end of the game 
and seeing all the plants and the exercise equipment and the stuff in the kitchen and like the video games and the drones, all the stuff that you like you you've given to them that is now part of the personality of the game, I guess. Yeah. Um, It's like, that's where the characters seem to have personality as opposed to the lengthy bits of dialogue where it's leading too hard into a singular trait. Um, yeah. And I guess maybe that's, that's where I would complete. Cause like these characters, I like them, but at the same time, there's something that's not all that memorable about a lot of them. And I think part of it is like the, the Gemma is like one of the few exceptions where Gemma has like his side quest is partially in getting old, but then you introduce this idea that because these guys have aged medicine, like, like age suppression medicine, where you stay the same age for years. But what does that mean? Where it's like you have the body of a man that's in his like late twenties, early thirties, and yet mentally you are in your fifties and you're near retirement age. And then, you know, his buddy after doing nothing but fighting for decades, um, how do you how do you move on? How do you find something else? And yeah. you can tell that's something that this Gemma character is approaching. Now I haven't done his full side arc yet, you know, his storyline. So I don't know where that goes, if it goes anywhere interesting. But that's like a rare go- example. <laughs> yeah. So you know that that is actually one of the better ones. Yeah. Um that's the unfortunate his- thing. That's a rare example, right? Like Right. Yeah. His, there are definitely some, there are some good payoffs. And again, I guess playing both and you get all of, all of these different ones, yeah. but um, we should probably move on. But I, I highly recommend Scarlet Nexus. If you're, if, especially if you want something that's just a little bit different from a JRPG, um, where Tales of Arise, which we've already discussed as my game of the year is, this you know that huge big epic um jrpg that you know i think it's tales but it it feels a little bit like this could have been like a the lost final fantasy 13 or something that never happened <laughs> um this is this is the on the other end of it where it's a little bit quirky it's a little bit weird um, it leans, I think, a little bit more into anime influence than... Dude, I don't even know if I can mo- say that. This story... Does, I mean, that's the one thing. You say quirky and weird. The story's out there. The story gets yeah. out there. And yet, at the same time, no matter how many hurdles it jumps, you're still able to come back and be like, okay, this is the situation. Let's see where they go next. And I think part of that start is because it starts off with such fast-paced escalation like you go to chapter yeah. you go you finish chapter one you're like okay that's the introduction and you'll expect a lot of like nothing happening for a while because that's how jrpgs <laughs> go right the first five to ten hours are a whole lot of are are, 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 are a whole lot of nothing then you hit chapter uh then you hit like hour 10 and it's like oh no this is where the real story is no this game chapter two it's like guess what serious business is happening it's like oh well, that's starting to escalate cri- quickly. Chapter three. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's really escalating. It's like, holy crap! Did they just <laughs> that do that? Escalated quickly. <laughs> and then it's like just ch- on and on. Like my favorite was um, like chapters seven and eight are like both like, no, no, they're not doing this, are they? Holy crap, they're doing this. Next thing you know, they'll do this. Oh my god, they did this. Like holy cow! Like these. It's like it's like the game like. 
wanted to just keep upping itself. It just wanted to keep, but it doesn't feel cheap. It feels like oh, it when, as they explain everything, as they delve into it, it's like, okay, so they actually did think about how all of this works. And I think they do. They've, they land the ship. I, that's all I'll say. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, they, they definitely land the ship and it's definitely, um, definitely worth playing. So what do we have? What do we have up next? Up next is a game that only you are playing, which is Back for Blood. Oh, Back for Blood. That's right. So I get to I get to wax eloquent a little uh, bit here. So Nolan in the chat, if you quiet. if you wish to heckle, now is the time to heckle. Now is the time to heckle. So yeah. So the promise of Back for Blood is basically Left for Dead um, for the next generation or something like that. The next sort of you know, expansion on that. So I didn't play a ton of Left 4 Dead. I I played enough to, you know, have a have some general thoughts and opinions. So that's going to so, explain why you like this one as much. <laughs> maybe. I, I don't... So this is a game that is fun to play with friends. I... So, you know, the, the, the core of the game is, right, you've got a mission... You kill zombies. There's like Left for Dead. You're you're moving from point A to point B, possibly accomplishing certain objectives along the way. And there are, you know, hordes of zombies that are completely harmless, essentially, if you encounter them in small groups, more dangerous in large groups, and they're punctuated by special zombies or the ridden uh as they're called here that are that are your real threats that the large group of zombies is a threat but it becomes a bigger threat when a special appears uh which is again a lot like you know left for dead yeah um some things that are different is so the big thing to me the the a number of zombies, the number of specials and all of that seems way higher in Back for Blood than it ever was in Left for Dead. And the specials, the ammo economy is less survival focused. You we're about two thirds of the way through the game and we have and they make ammo so available by being able to buy it at the beginning of missions and other things, if you just explore a little bit, um, you know, I remember in, in Left for Dead, like, oh man, like every single shot counts right now. In Back for Blood, I've got like the auto shotgun, and I'm just spraying hordes of zombies with the auto shotgun and not really thinking twice about it. Well, this is one of those uh, things. Uh, sorry to interject, but it's one of those things that because between what I played from the beta and then what I uh, saw from a lot of people's feedback like one of the most common things i've heard is the basic recruit difficulty is like okay yeah this isn't really that much of a challenge we got through it but then you bump it up to the next difficulty and it's like holy crap we're getting our butts kicked and left for dead had a like it's just another example where for me you know just playing back for blood in the beta it's like you can tell like just how important valve sense of focus testing and polish really is 
because this game is missing it in the and it's all subtle stuff, right? Um, yeah. One of the things that I brought up with, um, I think it was on Seamus Young's blog because he he referenced like the old intro video of um, yeah, it was like during the summer because you look at the intro video of Redfall, right? Arcane's new Left for Dead with vampires. Um, now that the whole genre is kind of coming back as its own thing, yeah. And somehow nobody's able to make one as good as Left for Dead. Uh, imagine that. And Redfall, you watch the trailer and it's like it shows you some stuff, but you're never really sure how it all works and comes together. Now, part of it is hindsight is 2020, but when you watch the announcement trailer for Left 4 Dead, everything it illustrates in that trailer illustrates it how it functions in the game. You mm. hear the sound of the witch as she sounds in the game. You have the creepy ooh like music going on as you hear in the game. She does exactly what she does in the game. Um, you hear the smoker coughing and hacking before it grabs someone, just like it does in the game. You hear the hunter's light growl as it crouches slowly and then jumps with a shriek. Like it, it goes everything that happens, including the use of pipe bombs and stuff. It's all in the as it is in the game. Um, that Left 4 Dead trailer was incredible, but it also outlines all of the little sound and audio cues that are obvious and also the special infected and left for dead, despite all being zombies, all had a clear appearance that you could identify them easily from the horde play. And maybe with more, the more hours that you've played back for blood is, you know, you, you found some of those little identifiers between the different, uh, big written yeah. or whatever you want to call them. But when we were playing the beta, it just did not like, it was almost like you didn't notice one of the big guys until they were on top of you. The designs aren't as distinctive. I, I do think they're, they're still pretty noticeable typically. Now, granted, I discovered that whatever character I'm playing, or I haven't even figured out exactly. I'm able, they, they're, they're highlighted. For you don't me. even know which character you're playing. I know which character is. I don't know if it is a character trait or if it's a card that I just keep on getting activated or what. Mm. Um, I, I'm they're high, the special are highlighted in red for me, so I just call them out. I've been playing Carly, who you get unlocked after this after the first act. She's the like the chick with like the purple hair and stuff. Um, I play her because her her starting gun is a like automatic automatic pistol which i love um anyways like that, that gets to another another piece of it is the card system which so the cards and the modifiers mm. i think even so we we tried it on veteran and then we turned it back down to recruit because the way the game works is the same mission can feel either impossible or too easy just based on the sort of randomness of the the cards and the modifiers and other things. Uh, so just as an example, one of the ones we were playing last night uh, was it the modifier put the crows everywhere on the level. Oh, goodness. And, and every time you startle the crows, you summon a horde. Yeah. And so we probably could have easily finished the level, but we summoned a horde like six times. And then sometimes while you're dealing with one horde, you accidentally shoot another pack of crows and summon a second horde. 
And then in that horde, there's a bloater. And if the bloater explodes too close to you, the bloater guts attract another horde. And it like that feels it sort of like starts stacked. being yeah yeah it started feeling like not fun like you just want to play the game but it's sort of like it's too easy without without that stuff but then it's it's tedious with it and again it's fun because you're playing with friends and you can kind of laugh about things that happened like you know Jeremiah did you startle the birds again or like whatever but you know that like it's still, or, you know, somebody keeps on, you know, I'm, I'm always carrying toolkits to open alarm doors without setting them off. And then somebody just goes and opens an alarm door and sets it off and summons the horde. And, you know, it's, you kind of laugh about it, but as a game, as a game balance thing, I, I yeah, the balance is just off. And there's, also there's something because like playing left for dead, like if you had a team that really knows what they're doing, then yeah, Left 4 Dead could become a piece of cake, but that's why you go onto like expert difficulty and you try and beat expert difficulty where you might not survive. Like I think that's maybe one of the things that they're worried about is replayability, which is ironic because I guarantee you by next year, Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2 on Steam are still going to have more concurrent users than Back 4 Blood are, uh, Back 4 Blood will. But that's my pessimism. I could be wrong. We'll see what happens next year. But like Left 4 Dead is still a popular game that people are playing today on Steam, on PC and stuff. And yeah, like it's its simplicity is part of what makes it work. Like that's where I, I feel like part of this, like and part of it's like the whole games of service model and other stuff where it's like they're so worried about players becoming bored and it's like if y- the players that will get bored aren't in it to play something more challenging anyway, mo- like, okay, maybe that's a little too off topic. Like that's a bigger topic and it's mostly speculation anyway. But it's like you, right. we I- have evidence of games that the as long as the core gameplay is good enough, people will keep coming back. An expert on Left 4 Dead is not easy no matter like how good you are. And so it's like, there is incentive to go back and replay it once in a while and just put yourself through this challenge. Because if you're going back and playing on like, that's the thing, like it becomes the challenge, right? We can't beat expert. Let's go in tonight. Let's go in. Like you might be doing one set of levels for a month or two months to finally beat on expert. Like we tried so many things and we discovered tricks in order to help maximize our survival on some of those maps in left for dead on expert like way back in the day and here it feels like the cards are there and of course there's always potential microtransaction bullcrap they've already said they won't do that but i think one of the news stories broke that it's like by the way they already went back on their word so who knows because it's warner brothers interactive you can't trust warner brothers interactive right now Um, yeah well the other thing that that sort of sorry to, to cut you off there that sort of makes it, it was like, for example, one time we got stuck on a, on a, on a mission where we had started, we had, we had stopped our session and then we restarted there. And so we couldn't beat it. We went back and spent the first group of missions, just upgrading all of our guns, getting all the other stuff, getting some good cards stacked up. 
and then it was easy the second time through because because of now granted there were some different modifiers in play and other stuff but like so it also is it it's this weird thing where like you you were talking about you know wanting encourage wanting people to keep playing the game where it almost feels padded by the fact that sometimes in order like your starting weapons aren't good enough and so you need to the only way to ha- to be fully kitted out to complete some of the more challenging missions is to play the previous missions in sequence with it so that by the time you reach it you know you have cards that are have increased your health and your movement speed and your reload speed and whatever else stacked up with better weapons and weapon mods to make it easier and it, it's sort of like it does get a little frustrating um you know if you're playing it casually with a cup for a couple hours every week with friends it i don't know it's sort of like it's again it's the balance thing where i feel like it's not hitting the right balance of you know you need preparation with it's fun to pick up and play and it, yeah it just it's it's now, fun when you say if you've got it on game pass play it with your friends but i don't know when you What's say up? previous missions uh like do you mean like like you know how like left for dead had dead air right so do you mean like you you quit halfway through dead air but in order to resume you have to start from the beginning of dead air in order to get those cards and upgrades or do you mean okay we're on dead air but we have to go back to no mercy and yes. start from there. You mean you have to go all the way back to like No Mercy and start from there until you get to Dead Air. Dead Air. Basically, right. You don't Holy. have to, but doing so will get you the upgrades you need in order to, you know, do better on Dead Air, basically. That is... Now, how many of these upgrades and cards carry over? All of them. Okay. I mean, like so, between so, so, is, so okay. So uh, if you started, if you start a fresh run, starting on the mission, the last mission where you left off, you get like three cards to start, and you start with whatever your character's base weapons are, and so, you'll you'll be able to upgrade from the start, but you'll only be able to probably change out or upgrade one or two weapons. So the strategy that seems to be effective sometimes is to then go back to you know however many missions you want back and then play through everything up to that point to i'm gonna be really interested to see if if i manage to snag you and nolan together so we can play aliens fire team elite once it's on game pass because i've already played that you know it, it was on stream i played it with asuna and uh phoenix and we had a good time and I, if it weren't for, like, if I knew, if I knew we could do it regularly, I would have kept playing that game. I would have gone onto the harder modes. I would have tried the horde mode. Like, it is a game, like, you can play single player, but it's definitely better multiplayer. If you, me and Nolan play Aliens Fire Team Elite and try and make it like a regular thing and see how it works, I would be interested to see if it really is, because it's, it's, it's no replacement for Left 4 Dead either. But... I feel like my time with Aliens Fireteam Elite was so much better than what time I had with the Back for Blood beta. And when I hear, but like, it doesn't sound like the Back for Blood beta is what I want. And the funny thing is, 
there are modifiers in Fireteam Elite, but it's like you put one modifier on and it can either benefit you or it can make things harder but increase your rewards. There is leveling up your weapons. There is creating skill right. upgrades, but we were able to do the story mode start to finish, no retreading old levels, and we were fine. If anything, yeah, well, it, like, it... it was a bit easy because we never had to like use any revives or anything. Yeah, I got you. Makes you think of like like Destin, like the original Destiny Strike playlist, right? You'd have like your modifiers for the week or something where like, okay, like Void Burn and whatever else. And it was like Void Burn meant that your Void attacks do more, their Void attacks do more. It was depending on the mission and your loadout and other stuff. Yeah, that kind of stuff I think is better than the way that it ends up being in Back for Blood, which is intended to add replay value. I'm putting that in air quotes. You can't yeah. see that. But anyway, let's talk about Kenna. I like Kenna. Let's talk about Kenna, indeed. So I didn't get too far in this. I beat like the first zone out of four, I think. Um, I'm also not very far. But it is an enjoyable game. I... As you know, I've got my whole, like, I'm not giving Sony any more money thing, but this game got a lot of, you know, this game is derivative kind of reviews that I wanted to make sure I supported the developer because I could see a lot of, I could see from a lot of what people played, I could see from some of the video reviews that I saw on YouTube, I was like, okay, this game is up my alley. Heck, that they were calling it derivative. That's what they call Darksiders, and Darksiders turned out to be really far up my alley. So it's like, okay, that means I got to give this game a try. Um, the interesting thing is I do have critiques about this game so far, but none of it has to do with the game being derivative. Hmm. So, okay, and I, I, I just looking at these screenshots, so my issue with this game is I can feel that it's derivative, I couldn't figure out at any point anything it felt derivative of. And then the <laughs> one thing that just came to mind, and I'm totally blanking on the name of the developer. Um, but like uh, Ico, The Last Guardian, oh, Shadow of the... Oh, shoot. Yeah, I for... it's Sony. It's a Sony studio. Sony Japan. Yeah, it's a Sony studio. But yeah, that was like the one thing where I would like, it just occurred to me. But so that was kind of my thing is like, when people say it felt derivative, it just felt weird to be playing the game where I'm like, is this like, like, I just didn't know what Team it was Ico derivative just, of specifically. How can we forget the name of Team Ico named after <laughs> their first game? Like, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. that's visually maybe, but even then it's like, it's a combination. You, you got your Dark Souls, you got your Team Ico in there. And you got your Legend of Zelda in there. And you've also got your Studio Ghibli in there. So it's like, is it derivative or is it just drawing from a lot of inspirations? And of course, you got your Pixar, American 3D animation style. Um, the little rock guys look set. Like, the little rock guys look like, if, what if Studio Ghibli were a DreamWorks film? Um, yeah. I for me the aesthetic was kind of like um Avatar the Last Airbender filtered through Pixar or something like that cuz it has this sort of like 
Eastern mythology filtered through Western sensibilities, you know, sort of mythos to it. Um, I don't know. Uh, so that was maybe, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I could, yeah. Um, but that's the thing. Like, it's, I could see the inspirations, but it doesn't make it derivative. Um, I don't know. I don't think people understand what, what, what something, I don't, I don't know. Maybe people, people can't identify the difference between inspiration and derivative, but I, I, I don't know, man. Cause I, like, did don't ask call... me to understand games press, but I, it's I, like, I just think, did anybody call horizon zero dawn derivative? No, man, because robot dinosaurs are totally new. Which is not even that, but just like, oh, like it's, you know, an open world, Ubi style world. Anyway. It's it's like Far Cry plus Monster Hunter. Don't 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 get me started on Horizon. Plus, you don't want to do anyway. That. You don't have to start on that anyway. But yeah, so the big thing that stood out to me, other than I like the aesthetic, um, it's they're doing some interesting things. Is the combat surprised me at how challenging it was. I think it surprised uh, everybody in regards to how challenging it is. Yeah. Like I um, and it's not even it's not that bad once you get used to the fact that like okay, I need to be careful. I can't just go in and wildly start comboing everything without blocking or dodging. Yeah, I See, I've got I got a few mixed feelings cuz part of it I've said it before and I said it again, like Kenna is one of those games that makes me appreciate Death Store more because one of the things that I don't think enough people will know to praise Death Store over is its encounter design. Um, and when I say encounter design, I mean how many of what class of enemy in order to prevent the player from feeling overwhelmed. There's X number of small enemies that are mooks there's X number of mid-level enemies that are going to pound, or ranged enemies that'll pound you. And then there's X number of big enemies that do real damage and are real aggressive. And so you have this careful balance in all of Death Store encounters that maintain the pressure, maintain the challenge of difficulty. And yet, even knowing which enemies to pair together, it knows how to create a combat scenario that's challenging, but gives you opportunities to deflect magic, gives you opportunities to really make use of the big guy's tendency to hit his buddies that give you all of these different opportunities to use even your abilities and your sub abilities uh, against one another. And death's like, like death's door has that. And a lot of people don't, I don't think see it because when something's working well, you rarely notice it. Kenna Bridge of Spirits doesn't have as good of a combat encounter design in terms of mm. what kind of enemies, how many of them, and which ones you're pairing with. Because you'll have these little mooks all over you, but then these big giant guys that close the distance real quick. And so you might need to charge your rot more so that you can use them to hold an enemy down or so that you can use them just to open up the healing uh, flower, right? 
just to use any one of these abilities that require you to have the rot charged. Well, that's what the little guys are there for, right? Try and, you know, beat them a little bit so you can get some of that charge, get get them out of there a little bit. And next thing you know, this big guy, he like jumps across the battlefield and hits you and you didn't even know what was about to happen because you weren't looking at him because he was all the way back there. Um, it's always little things like that, which kind of does that make it, difficult in ways that it doesn't need to be. And I've also brought up with Nolan, but I, I, I have no proof. I'd like to reach out to, um, it's a shame I'm not on either of their patrons, but like the video game animation study, uh, I think his name is Dan. No, Dan is, uh, uh, the, the extra frames. Um, uh, but either one of them, they both are animators. They both do, video game animation study. They both talk about things like um, traditional animation principles with one of them being the, um, oh shoot, what is it? Ap not like, I can't remember the name of it. I can't remember the name of the principle, but it's something like a wind up. It's, you know, the thing before the major action, but with video games being responsive, you don't have as much time for that. You only have maybe one or two frames to get that punch out there. So instead you have like follow through or follow up. You have all of these other ways to keep the attack quick, but then to still deliver that power because you need a game to feel responsive. And that's where Kenna, I'm not sure, but I feel like you can, f you, you get that animator, like former Hollywood animator background because it feels like there's a lot of these actions that you press the button and it's not as responsive as you'd like it to be. And I think part of it's because of the way the animation is working. Kenna's, Kenna's um, parry bubble is a perfect example. The timing on that, I think, is partially because it takes time for her to bring that bubble up in ways that is, and, and this game is quicker than, because like, I know, again, like Dark Souls is clearly an inspiration, but it's not trying to be Dark Souls combat. It's trying to be faster than that, and it's trying to be a little bit of its own uh, combat. But the way that parry bubble, parry and block bubble comes up, it doesn't feel as instantaneous as it feels like it should be. And I'm wondering if yeah, some of that is I had a really because... hard time using that. I'll yeah, and they yeah. did, like Nolan also mentioned, they did patch that to be a bit more, to give you a bit more um, uh, leeway, I guess you could say. So, theoretically, it should be popping up faster, and yet it doesn't really seem like it is. So, it's 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 stuff like that which makes the game, I think it's it, 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 it's core design, like what the game wants to be isn't supposed to be as difficult as it ends up being, but because of these little things with animations and these other little touches and the, the encounter designs and everything like that, it makes the game more difficult than it feels like it should be. Even if you are aiming for a challenging game, which seems odd because everything about this game feels like should be enjoyable for a family so that you will go into an encounter with this big tough boss and there's no healing or there's only one healing flower yeah. or there's like multiple healing flowers, yeah. but some of them are just hidden. Like you, 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 you never find yeah. them without exploring because you're too busy fighting. It's That's actually weird. Um, one of my, one of my gripes too is maybe I missed it, but it seems like 
the healing flowers don't regenerate. So you can like accidentally hit a healing flower early and it's like, ah, oh, like, yeah, now, they don't like, regenerate. They definitely don't yeah, regenerate. And yeah, that... they don't regenerate. I mean, that's kind of a little thing, but just again, it, um, I, uh, yeah, it, it makes it, it's one of those things that, you know, it feels like I, I it reminds you of like an old school Sonic boss fight where there's a certain number of rings around the boss arena and you know, like, okay, I don't want to get all the rings because if I get hit, I'm going to lose the rings. I need to be able to grab at least one to have another hit. And then you, like, accidentally get all the rings at once. And you're like, crap! Like, yeah. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, I, I, think, I think we should probably, once we both finish Kenna, I think we should come back to this and see. We definitely should, yeah. See how the, the encounters developed late in the game. And um, see how the, the patch was on the response and all of that. Well, Nolan um, actually commented that uh, he did drop the the difficulty for the final boss for story mode. And I've heard other people drop to story mode. I think I'll be fine for most of it. Um, but it is just, again, it's like little things that keep it from being... It's a good game, but there's little things that keep it from being as great as it could be. And my, know, okay, concern you know is the, my concern is the developers will see too many complaints about being derivative and won't have enough criticisms from people that actually have an understanding of what like is actually an issue with the game that they won't be able to come away with the right lessons. I got you. I, I, I determined what I'm going to call this game. Now, if it's derivative of anything, oh, this no. game is hex stick instead of Hellblade. because I that's you. That's, that's kind of where I feel the strongest influence of the exploration. And the way that the the boss arena is becoming closed in. To find your parents and tell them they should be ashamed for giving birth to you. (laughs) And even (laughs) Nolan says ban ban you. (laughs) All right. Now we shall move on to the surprise of 2021. Not the best of 2021 so far. But I was not expecting Guardians of the Stinking galaxy like talk about guardians of the flarking galaxy (laughs) talk about a complete reversal where you know this time last year the avengers was already a failure a failure and a joke and like nobody nobody liked it and well okay people did like marvel's avengers but not a lot of people did and the further along it goes, the worse it seems to be getting. And no one's even sure how much longer now that like some of the promised uh, DLC like Spider-Man is out, like how much longer Marvel's Avengers is going to go. And so there was a lot of trepidation about Guardians of the Galaxy. I know when I first saw it announced, I was like, eh, nah, uh, I, I was like, these guys are even more discount dollar store, you know, cinematic universe. I was not at all on board with Star-Lord, but then more trailers came out. And the more trailers came out, I was watching them. I was dropping them into Discord, and I was like, you know what? Aspects of this game aren't looking all that bad. And then the early previews and reviews were coming out, and people were like, yo, this game's actually pretty good. And I only saw one critic- like one view, one video that was more critical of it. 
And I was like, you know what? The game's on surprising discount for the holidays. I'm going to grab it. I'm going to see what it's like. And dude, this game's story so far is better than Guardians of the Galaxy 2, the movie. It's, you know, the, I think what's really surprised me. So I love the sort of telltale style games, the, the choices and, and all of that and feeling, feeling some degree of agency in what's going on in the game outside of just being on the rails for the main, the sort of main plot beats. It's the, the little bits of writing that I felt like I can't think of any specific examples off the top of my head, but like it's just the 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 dialogue and everything else is so good in the game, and that's uh, that's one of those things that really caught me off guard. Like the way that yeah. I the way that I put it, and it's usually a way that it's probably going to make a lot of people angry because it's phrased in a way that's almost as I, I mean I am still me I'm still who I am and some of the things that I come with come up with are basically like designed to insult masses of people and for me there's just this trend these days of what I call Gen X millennial writing where everyone really badly wants to be Joss Whedon they really want all their characters to be snarky witty there's always jokes left and right it has this awful feeling of clapping oneself on the back with this overinflated sense of cleverness and you also get elements of like web comic writing where and i say that as someone that tried to make web comics right i tried to be this like you know you you try and be funny like this even your serious stories are so lacking in actual like draft checking you you you, you're just putting all of it out there without really doing the work to see can i improve this can i fix this here and do this here like everything feels so amateur hour and this is like permeating so much stuff you got it in destiny you got it coming in halo infinite you have it in avengers from last year you have it in so much stuff and i was expecting that to fully be guardians of the galaxy but even like looking at cosmo here like cosmo is a perfect scene where his introduction could have been littered with so much dumb internet humor millennial uh, gen x or bullcrap that instead with aside from like a couple of jokes um it's like if this is what cosmo is like in the in the comics then i get it like that's like basically if the movies try and do Cosmo, they are competing with this game. How, since when did we live in a, like we've come far along enough. And this is like part of part of partially where it's like, I'm tired of people looking at movies like, Oh, we need to be as good as movies. No, some of our best games have already like are, are closer to novels than they are movies. They're, they're like, they're, they're, they're already good enough. They don't need to be, but this is an example where it's like, if you want to prove that video games are already there, then the movies need to try and compete with this Cosmo because he's already well-written. He's already a character. And this Drax is far better than the Drax in the movies because he's a character. He's not just a comic relief. And yeah. that's where 
Like, I, like there are so many easy moments they could have just been like, oh, here's my little clever quip. Here's my little clever quip. And they do try and be humorous at points, but they also try and have that drama. They try and have that this isn't really a team that's together yet. And you can tell there's also that element about like the greater theme of trying to find your place in this crazy universe. And yeah. Oh, like uh, granted, I'm only halfway through the story, and I'm going to let you now talk before yeah, I lay I'm out my concern. Through. No, yeah, I'm about halfway through it as well, and yeah, I think one of the things they do a good job on is sort of finding the best in the comics and the movies to pull from. Uh, so you know, the a lot of universal elements, the way Nova Corps is handled, the um, Star Lord's or own origin story and all of that are closer to the comics. You know, yeah, Cosmo. They're closer to the comics, but they maintained an aesthetic vibe that's closer to the films with some tweaks and there are certain character elements. Like, um, you know, I've read they've sort of you know, obviously the movies come out and they're popular. They sort of bend comic characters to be more like their movie counterparts um from older stuff i've read with drax like drax is different not this drax is you know more like the movie drax but like you said um i think especially in guardians of the galaxy 2 he became comic relief with knives and big muscles yeah where this does a better job of having him be a more complete character in the game than than Guardians of the Galaxy 2 did, like you said. The He and he and Peter sitting there looking at the edge of the like the literal edge of the, the universe and that whole conversation that ensues regarding, you know, lost loved ones. Yeah. Like No, yeah, they like and they do. They it enables them to have some depth. And that's the kind of stuff where where you're just you get surprised by like, you know, how good the writing is. Where like you said, like it's not this is video game writing. It's it doesn't have to be movie writing. It can just be video game writing and be this good. Yeah, and that's what that's what is, I think, great about this game is that those aspects like the combat system is good. It's fun. You get through the battles. Um, the what but it's the the other stuff like the the choices the dialogue and everything where it doesn't even matter that i'm pretty sure you know most of your dialogue choices don't matter that much yeah but the way that they're executed the color that they add to the telling of the story you know stuff like peter's by himself and he's imitating the rest of the team and you get to choose which team member he's he's imitating as he's sort of you know like walking through the maze like what would Drax oh, yeah, say right yeah. now? There's, like, there's like no, that there's no like, story there's no story element to it, but it's like you know what this is amusing. Let's see what he has. You know, let's see what he says. Yeah. It, exactly, and it's it's just it's well written, it's well characterized. I think they also nailed it by just out of necessity. I guess it's been almost ten years since the first Gal- Guardians of the Galaxy film moving 
the musical anchor up to the 80s. Yeah, um, I think part of that is because in some ways the age of the writers and the ca- and the players versus the film, chances are James Gunn is a little older than us and a little older than the people that are right. writing well, even this just, show. Even just if you're saying that this is theoretically happening in present day. True. If you want um, Star-Lord to be the same age that he was, it's a lot more likely that he grew up listening to, you know heavy metal in the 80s than that he grew up listening to you know soul and in the let's take a 70s. pause here let's take a pause here um because can i already talked about it in the discord can i take a moment to say because i thought it was just going to be like one song written for the game and they already released like the single on youtube or whatever but i never listened to it and then you are in the beginning of the game and you're listening to the tape. And then I notice it goes from one song to a second song. And I start to fast forward and I start to realize they wrote a whole album. And I listened to the full album, like not in the game. I did listen to the full album in my own time. And there's this whole new wave of traditional heavy metal movement, which is basically we're just going to sound like all the bands we liked growing up. And I mean that literally like there's, it does all the songs that I've listened to are fine, but it feels like I've heard it before. It like, it doesn't, it's not inspiration. It's it doesn't you know, sound barely like a cover band. Have been a contemporary of Iron Maiden and Judas Priest. Like it sounds like they're just trying their hardest to sound like Judas Priest. Yeah. And or whatever, kind of, yeah, that album on the other hand, it hits the pastiche. It does sound like it is of the era, but it sounds like it, you you could have dug it up out of a time capsule. It sounds like a band that would, and the this is possibly perfect because it sounds like a band that might have had a decent and small following. Where like the, you know every there's going to be all these people like this this small number of people that loved it, but everyone else is instead you know interested in Iron Maiden and all the other like new wave of British heavy metal bands that actually went or Man of War like. Star Lord would have lost right. out to Man of War, right? They would have been viewed by everyone as the lesser Man of War, but by those that appreciated them, really loved them. Like that's what it sounds like. That's the kind of album. It's, it's a Kick Axe, actually. Kick Axe is a Canadian metal band that <laughs> the their their biggest song is probably not even credited as Kick Axe because it was uh, they listed themselves as Spectre General on the Transformers animated movie soundtrack. You know, like it's this real band that became that has like two songs under a fake name for this animated children's movie. And those are probably the most popular songs that they wrote. And nobody knows the original band that actually made them. Um, Star Lord's like that. Star Lord is that kind of a band. And it's like it's it's amazing to me that they managed to get it so right. And that 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 kind of a surprise is, I think what encapsulates this game because going into what you say of the, 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 the combat, right? The combat is probably what a lot of people view as the weakest part of the game. I'm not quite there. I actually Mm -hmm. do really enjoy the combat, but it's another area with Kenna where it's like, I recognize what makes it flawed. And one of those things is star Lord draws too much aggro. There's no moves that your party can do, your character, your other characters can do that draws 
aggro away from Star Lord specifically that is intended to draw the the aggro to the like Groot should be an aggro drawing tank, right? Um, I mean, I guess I guess it depends on how you play. So like the I found the key in the combat system with you know to your point about the aggro is to use Groot's and Rocket's ability as zoning and then also use Star-Lord's freeze gun as further zoning and then use Drax and Gamora for focus. So like Star-Lord's gun, Star-Lord's main gun is spam. Star-Lord's freeze gun and then Groot and Rocket are your zoning attacks. You're you're trying to thin the enemy out, disable them, or or push them back as much as possible. Well, it all depends. Then you use Drax followed up with Gamora to basically be a, a guaranteed kill because Drax will stagger out most enemies, and if they're staggered out, Gamora's attack kills them. Star-Lord can freeze and spam to, to keep himself safe if you get Drax or... Or not Drax, Rocket or Groot back up. You use them to zone whoever you can zone, and then you just kind of lather, rinse, repeat that. You can also it's, get Star Lord well, in the air to get in the yeah. angles so that he doesn't get swarmed if you're if you run out of, or use his like full blast forward to sort of like anyway. I I, I haven't had an issue with Star Lord getting swarmed. Well, the thing is too, it's like, like these aren't actual character classes as part of the issue because they each have different ability i'm I'm starting to unlock the tier three abilities and so Groot just had now has his you know singular enemy stagger attack he's got his you know hold the enemy down attack he's got his um do group damage attack and now he has his single enemy stagger attack um drax has a single enemy stagger attack but then he has a group enemy attack um gamora i've only got the two one of them is a group attack i think no does gamora have her third yeah i don't remember no yeah there's there's, there are more attacks i guess i find it like what i usually do what i usually do is i'll have rocket use his magnet bomb because that draw clusters everyone together and that makes it easy to either have Groot use his group damage attack or to bind the enemies down into one group and you know then you can unleash like peter's uh, third level attack, which is the the cluster bombs, um, and from there, like, because yeah, Gamora and Drax are great for singular boss type enemies, and then Groot will have a singular attack, or Rocket just has his regular bomb, and there's environmental stuff too. But even with all of this, for certain fights, I found myself having a bit of a more rough time because no matter what I'm doing with my team, it feels like there's guys that are targeting primarily Peter. Um, no matter how I'm clustering enemies, no matter how I'm grouping them. And I think that's part of where a lot of players, because again, like you and me, especially like for shooters, like you, like you, you are definitely above average with shooters. I'm above average with, um, I'm probably more above average with like action games than I am with shooters. Yeah. But when you compare it to your average game player, um, and we're not like pro level either, we're definitely not pro level, but we're still above the average that a player is going to be coming to this game and they're going to have an even tougher time than we are because there's also a lot of buttons to press. There's a lot, like I, I am constantly, a lot of buttons. I'm constantly actually, pressing the left trigger when I mean the left bumper and I'm constantly pressing the left bumper when I mean the left trigger. Or I'm like, 
or I have the um, the huddle available, and I accidentally like I'm switching between like shooting Star Lord's freeze gun and doing a team attack, and I accidentally hit both bumpers at the same time or whatever. Yeah. Um, That's my one about- big piece of advice if you're picking this game up in the beginning, it gives you all these custom difficulty things. The first thing I would do is make it so that your guardian attack menu, like the L1 button, is a full pause, not a slowdown. Just make it a full pause so you can hit the button and take half a second to think about what attack you actually want to do under fire. Actually, Uh, yeah, I'm I'm doing, just because I am that kind of a idiot i'm doing their normal difficulty default for the most part the only so am i right I, now but that would be the first thing i would change that would be one of the things i would change too yes and maybe depending on your skill level of your or what you want boosting the damage output on peter's guns because they do only a little bit of damage but at the same time most fights i actually don't find it much of a problem because like if you know who you're targeting and how to use your buddies then most of those, like the mooks are, 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 like the mooks go down quick and the stronger enemies, it's all about that stagger, right? The, yeah. it, it, the, they are surprisingly damage spongy, but it's like, it's not a shooter. The game's not a shooter. It's an action RPG with more action than RPG, if that makes sense. Right. Which is why coming off of Tales of Arise and Scarlet Nexus, uh, Scarlet Nexus this just feels like, kind of the same thing it's it's, it's also, not it's, if you if you treat it if you treat if you treat it like an action game you're gonna lose if you you just need to have the the rpg mindset in how you're approaching the combat and you'll find yourself doing a lot better but it still requires the skill and the timing and all of that it's just different like yeah. if if somehow Microsoft were to able to get Double Fine to be able to do a Brutal Legend two, I would tell Tim Schafer to play this game and switch to a combat style like this. Get rid of the strategy because it also reminds me of Brutal Legend because Brutal Legend is all about you know command your oh, units yeah. do this and that, but you still have the action role yourself. But it was never a very good like strategy game. Brutal Legend was always very, very simple strategy. And while I enjoyed it, like this game definitely has that be the leader, giving the commands, you know. And that's the thing. Like that's where a lot of people were like, wait, you only get to play as Peter. But given that in this, like in this story, Peter's trying to figure out how to be a lot of things. And one of them is a leader. Um, Mm. And it's funny because through the course of his story there, he's got to be a different kind of a leader too. And I kind of like that combination of elements. And by focusing on being a leader, the combat does a really good job of like bringing that about because it's not about thinking about like, that's why I don't mind so much. Like your guns don't do a lot of damage because your, your guns aren't like, you're not the main warrior. You're not the person that's trying to be bringing them all down. You're trying to get your buddies to weaken, open up or destroy the enemies and you go in there and you help out. Like if you're yeah. able to freeze an enemy, then you're able to slow them down so that your other the other guys can take them out. Or you can like like if you could freeze an enemy and then have Gamora just like take them out. There you go. Um, 
Yeah. But what's funny though is is this this whole team thing too. I was working on one of the puzzle sections and I was like so stuck. I couldn't figure out I'm like what am I supposed to do? And then I realized that I was me the player is thinking about this entirely as as a what how do I complete this when all of the pieces of the puzzle were really easy once I realized that each room had some action I needed another teammate to do. I needed Groot to lift this up. I needed Drax to smash this wall. I needed Gamora to jump up here and give me a boost. And like, and it was like, as soon as I, and I, I feel like that's, that's the best kind of game design where, you know, the combat obviously is very much focused on using your team. Um, the story is all about the Guardians becoming a team and learning to trust each other and learning to work with each other. And the puzzles even make you do that thought process of like, yeah, Peter Quill can't do this alone. Like, he doesn't have the the tools to complete this. It's only when, you know, he's the button pusher using the team to get him to the buttons that it all works together. Or being told to press the button, even though he doesn't need to. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> but no, it, that that that's one of those things where, again, you could tell this is written by people that, you know, know what they're doing. Um, that yeah. aren't like a bunch of amateur writers. They understand character. They understand story. They understand video games. Because, again, like you were talking about, like, um, again, on Seamus Young's blog, there was an element of, you know, people were talking, talking about the Prey video game 2017, and they were talking about, like, how the ending works and whether your choices matter in the end or not. And I think that's one of the downfalls of players in particular. People want quote unquote meaningful choice. What does meaningful choice even mean? Right? Like, and in this case, I'd say the choice is meaningful because in that moment you are in Peter Quill's position, having to make a decision on how to react to a situation how do you try and defuse the situation? Do you side with one of these two characters in this argument? And sure, maybe the game won't have major repercussions later down the line, but it's still, and I've, I wish we could have learned this lesson. It's still, it's, it's about what's in the moment and what you feel as the player and how that connects you to the protagonist. That's what video game writing can do that say film writing can't do, or even book writing can't do because even if you even if you're reading that and you think you have an idea of what the character should do you're not the character and the character is just going to do what the character does and so this gives you a time to sort of unite with your brain with the brain of the character and that's good at the same time there is one area where the writing does annoy me and it's not always it's not always but um, like there's a, there's a waypoint article where they spoke with the writer and the writer even mentioned that they had a lot of feedback where characters would be like, you know, um, they, do they ever shut up? Because no, the, the, they don't shut up. They, they, the <laughs> characters keep talking, but under most circumstances, it's fine. The only time it's not for me is when you have these 
when you're exploring, when you're exploring and you're trying to find items and like towards uh, the end of which was it was it the end of chapter seven towards the end of chapter seven, they put you in a big room and they're telling you press the button quill. And then, but it's like, there's a lot of things I can interact with here. There might be just like hidden items that I could get to upgrade stuff. And the whole time the characters won't shut up about you need to, you, you know, you need to press the button. What's he doing? He, oh, he's wasting time. He's just buying time so he doesn't have to face responsibility for X. You know, they're trying to like, they're, they're trying to be funny, but it's like, look, take a, like, I hate it when regular games do this with like reminding me of what the objective is, right? If a Gears of War is trying to remind me, you got to go here and do this objective when I'm trying to see if there's like cog, uh, the, 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 the cog tags around, I want the game to shut up. Guardians yeah. of the Galaxy is the same way. I wanted to shut up or at least like, give me like five minutes between each attempt to be funny. Um, chapter two, I think it is, does have some moments where when you go off the side tunnel, it is funny, but it's because of the character interaction because it's you and one other character and the implication of what you're wandering around says about your thoughts towards that character. Now, in most other instances, it's just, oh, there he goes. He's just wandering off again. And it's like, yes, because this is a video game and you have collectibles and those collectibles mean I can upgrade things or unlock discussion in the, the, the Milano, like don't punish me with incessant mocking. If you want me to explore once in a while is okay. Once in a while is fine. I'm okay with you guys making jokes every so often about it and breaking the fourth wall and all that other thing. But by the eighth of chapter, which is like how many hours in, it's starting to get old. And that's like my one complaint. And I'm worried in regards to the writing. I'm worried that now that I'm eight chapters out of 16 in, and I feel like I just completed act two out of three. So I feel like I should be more than halfway through the story, but I'm only halfway through the game and that has me worried, but I guess we'll find out. Also, I didn't have that problem because I apparently don't go off the beaten path enough to get them to, there was I, actually, there was one point. How many weapon upgrades you got or ability upgrade? I got 10 out of 15. I don't know. I got a bunch. You're lame. Um, You're lame. The, the, <laughs> the one time, I was actually kind of impressed where I, I legitimately couldn't figure out what to do. And the, the team keeps on bantering, but it actually didn't feel irritating. Like, it felt like everybody, it was um, when, you're, when you're like in the zero gravity, I couldn't figure out where the battery was. You know, like you have to hit put the battery in the thing to restore. So the, the game wasn't making fun of Peter. The game was making fun of you with the controller. <laughs> That's what was going yeah. on there. <laughs> yeah, basically, I, I don't know. I thought it, I actually thought it was. I was impressed. What I was impressed about was there was no looping dialogue. That is, is like, true. Yes, it was fresh. It was like they kept on they kept on kind of talking about it, but they were like, yeah, it was. It kept on being something different. And then I'm like, man, like I almost feel like they've, they've made this harder to find so that I would get to hear like all of the dialogue that they wrote and recorded for this part. That if I was super fast and efficient, I wouldn't have heard any of it. Um, 
Now, what's interesting is according to Nolan, he says in the difficulty settings, you can turn the hint system for puzzles way down and that cuts their banter off a bit. That is a weird, th that's weird to me because especially because their banter is not really hints. It's not really hinting at anything. Um, but before we, before we work on concluding this, I do want to touch on one more thing. The huddle up system, because I've seen a lot of people critique this as feeling like it just interrupts the flow of combat or interrupts this. And it seems to have a lot of dis, it seems to be like the most negatively perceived part of the game. I don't know where I stand on it because I don't dislike it. I don't know if I could say I like it, but I kind of I don't know. Like it doesn't seem as disruptive to me. It seems like a attempt to give you a way to screw up devil trigger. If that makes sense. Um, Cause it's, yeah. a, it's a mid fight power up you can choose. And it allows the music to get awesome. It allows, uh, have you gotten Rick rolled by it yet? Not yet. I have not heard. I know it's in there. I know it's in there, but never good to give you up. I have not yet heard it. Um, yeah, I, so I kind of like it because again, I, I think if it's, it's one of those things that's, I don't know, I guess if you're looking at it like an app, I feel like it's in that category where if you're looking at it like an action game, yeah, it's highly disruptive. It pulls you back. If you're looking at it like an RPG, um, it almost adds like a, a a like tabletop, like fourth wall breaking kind of element to it, right? Where we're like, yeah, you stop like, the action and make your plan. Yeah, yeah, stop the action. Like, okay, guys, we're getting killed by this, you know, ogre that's two levels higher than us. Like, all right, let's, you know, make the plan and do this. Yeah, and um, so I, I think I like it too. Is you I, start to notice the responses. Like, the wrong response is always for another team huddle. So it won't make sense. Like, because I, I started to notice response. Like, I, I got a response for a team huddle that was correct for that one. But I had for a previous one where it was clearly wrong. So it's, it's weird to see that. Like, it's, it's I don't know. It seems like up. a weird system. Um, But I, I, I don't know. It, it's something that I... I think I like the idea on paper. I don't know if I like I, I it. It could be it tweaked used, a little bit better. Work. It could use work to be more in the. I feel like in the moment. If, if I, I were if I were redesigning it, what I would do is have it have four choices, and have it be sort of like good, like the right choice, the wrong choice. And then two choices that will like do something weird. Like I wouldn't complicate it that much because it's not supposed to be that big of a thing. It's supposed to be and again, like it does like, like sort of like well, it does sort of like um you know, like I'd have a choice that will like piss off Rocket or something. Like you know what I mean? Like it says so right now there's a right choice and a wrong choice. But like I think it would be, I and that's, again, mean. that's just me, like, have a choice that just, you you know, it's going to do something and have some kind of either funny or surprising effect if you say this. If you piss this, off Rocket to, it, like, 
if it had a more direct sort of say Dragon Age or Mass Effect ish like team feeling towards you meter thing, then yeah, you say something to piss off Rocket and his feelings towards you decrease, but then all of a sudden he like pulls off these incredible moves that wreck half the 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 board of mooks and well, stuff i was like i was thinking more more like you lose control of rocket but his you know he's using his abilities like liberally with reduced cooldown because something you made like him that. mad okay something yeah like something that. like that or you know whatever like you you triggered something like, you just have some kind have weird effects or something like that that's kind of how i would do it instead of this this right wrong and the right answer is generally pretty obvious um and then you, i did pick the wrong, wrong i did pick the wrong answer one time and rocket goes man that was kind of inappropriate it's <laughs> <laughs> like what mine, <laughs> mine, mine was just gamora and drax being utterly confused but uh, the I, I don't know like that's something that because we we can sit here and game design on paper all day but unfortunately in something like that because again, it's like we're talking about a system that kind of works, but kind of doesn't. So how would you improve it or replace it? You'd have to do a lot of focus testing, man, and see what, what people respond to and what they don't. Like that's a system that needs prototyping all on all on its own. Cause yeah. but but it also does fit in with again, this is Peter learning to be more of a leader. So if you were to make a sequel to this, then would the team huddle even be necessary in the form that it's in? Or would the team more implicitly trust his leadership? Would he need Ooh. to bring in? Would they be a better team that was more unified? So maybe replace it with a new mechanic that emphasizes the fact that this team is already more unified. So it could be more of a single button press or it could be something different like you know, unleash, like you, you maybe have a radial menu of specific kinds of team attacks that you could do, or you can level, or you could select skills that are team attacks, um, from a menu or something like, like your upgrading abilities, right? Like you also then purchase team abilities or whatever. So who knows what a sequel would do? Um, cause again, thematically, and that also ties into, again, like what I told a friend of mine and what I said to Seamus Young when we did our Batman stream, what amazes me most about this game is the last time I played a game that was an adapt adaptation of a property that got the game design so thematically appropriate to the creation was Batman Arkham uh, Asylum. And of course mm. the rest of the series, but it's like Batman Arkham Asylum, what that got right was, okay, these guys didn't just reskin a game uh, to be like to to be Batman. These guys understood what is like who is Batman. What is the Batman fantasy, and what do you want to do in a game where you are Batman? This is a game where it's yeah. like who are the Guardians of the Galaxy? What are they known for? Especially since right now, honestly, you no doubt have more movie. Like how many people never even heard of the Guardians of the Galaxy until the movie came out? They 99% never knew. Of all yeah, most people like. Comic fans were like, oh my God, are they like, are they serious? Do they really think they can do this? Um, yeah. Like a lot of people were expecting failure. They're expecting this to be the first failure so, from Marvel. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of funny that, you know, the guardians of the galaxy are this like C list Marvel property. Right. 
and everybody thought they would fail. But it's sort of meta that everyone thought Ten the movie would later. fail because they're this... Well, no, years later, everyone thought, oh, like, after the disaster that was the Avengers game, this Guardians of the Galaxy game is definitely going to fail. <laughs> and then what do they do? Well, we don't know what the, 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 profit, the profit margin is going to be on this game. I'm hoping sales of this is better. At, but... the, at the very least, the the general consensus and dialogue and everything else around this game has been great. And the game is actually good. I played the Avengers game. Yeah, and so it's a far, game. It, it is definitely, definitely... This is definitely... Dude, okay, here's the way that I'll put this. The, as it stands now, because you know I'm a big fan of the Yakuza games, and you know I was really enjoying Lost Judgment. As it stands right now, if I had to rank the games that I've played this year, Guardians of the Galaxy would beat out Lost Judgment. Ooh. I'm enjoying it that much it's compared them's to... Them's big words. Th- those are big words. Um, now, granted, part of that is because I beat Lost Judgment, but... Right now, like, this is, that's what I mean, like, this is a surprise. It's still not going to beat out Resident Evil Village or Metroid Dread, but it's up there right now. Um, Again, I'm afraid because, again, like, halfway through the game, feels like I completed Act 2 out of 3. Who knows what the rest yeah, of the story is going to be like. how it moves, and, yeah, with the kind of the threads that are dangling around this point in the game. So, but... we'll, we'll see, but I'm... Dude, this is like the surprise of the year. And Square Enix, I hope they learned a lesson. I don't know what that lesson is because I don't know enough about what happened behind the behind the the, the scenes with why Avengers was given to this studio that was experienced in single player games. And now they said, hey, make a live service. And then this game, they gave it to a single player storage because... Before Shadow of the Tomb Raider, which that's another thing too. Iris Montreal, Shadow of the Tomb Raider, you know my feelings. I think you know my feelings yeah. on that. Yeah, no, dude. Like, I loved so. I loved the first two reboot games. Shadow of the Tomb Raider was blah. Um, but these are also the guys that did Deus Ex, uh, the 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 new Deus Ex games, which right. the first one got a lot of high praise, the second one not so much. So who knows even there? But what does that tell you? It tells you Iris Montreal is a story-driven single-player experience studio. And this could be, thus far, the best thing that they've done. Uh, now, granted, that might be a taste thing, but when it comes to here are your goals, did you achieve all of the goals you set out to accomplish, this is there. This is, like, surprisingly... And you know me, man. I am so done with so many Western AAA developers. This is a Western AAA developed game that to me is like, you guys had a vision and you you saw it. You saw it towards uh, the the end. Like Visions in the Avengers, not the Guardians of the Galaxy. So, I'm going to ban you. That's two times. Two times I've needed to ban you this podcast. But no, it's... This game is a major surprise, and I'm hoping this is a success. Square Enix learns something from this. Square Enix maybe learns even that like their strengths have always been single-player, narrative-driven games, and maybe that's even true when it comes to their Western studios. Stop maybe. chasing trends and do... Don't go tracing... Don't go chasing don't, waterfalls. Don't... You, you, three times... <laughs> three bands! Three bands! <laughs> All right, all right. That's definitely time. You're you. You've had too much to drink, sir. 
Um, um, maybe I got cat hair in my mouth. Honestly, that's my problem right now. Ugh. Why are you looking? I don't even cat? know how. <laughs> but okay. the cat was dirty. Okay. <laughs> no, I just was leaning my face on the side of the couch, and I like inhaled cat hair. Well, anyway, that seems like a good place to be. Uh, concluding this to 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 me, so. Uh, why are you sharing drinks yeah. with a cat? Is what Nolan says. So that's that. Uh, Nolan is complimenting you on the "Don't Chase Waterfalls," saying that it was good. You're wrong. You're both bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, uh, that that should conclude today. It's funny because the original outline included us talking about Metroid versus Castlevania. Maybe we'll do that next time. Next week, maybe I, I need to play some more Metroid Dread. I, I need to finish Metroid Dread, uh, which is going to take me a while, but. And then we can talk about Metroid. We can say we can talk about Symphony of the Night versus Dread or something like that. No, 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 no. I don't think Castlevania has a new comparison to something like Dread. Dread is too modern. Uh, but it's like in general, like broad strokes design. I do need to. I will be. I finally beaten a Castlevania game. I beat Circle of the Moon, and so I think I have an idea of why I never got big into the Castlevania games. Once I've cleared out a bunch of stuff, I do want to give Symphony of the Night one more go. I think now that I've beaten Circle of the Moon, I can probably at least get the not full ending of Symphony of the Night, which is like the not real ending, right? Because um, you have to 100% the castle, and then you got to 100% it again. Um, well, you don't have to... I don't think you have to... Do you have to 100% it twice? Uh, you, I, I forget. You I want, did it. I got the full... I got the real ending. I guess you do. Well, there's so there's a specific item you need to find in order to in order to get the like, real ending. Yeah, but you might not have the two hundred percent. You're right. Um, yeah, I don't think. Yeah, because I don't think I, I don't think I like two hundred percented it, but I I did. You you need to get the you need to get the upside down castle and all of that. Yeah, and Circle of the Moon didn't have anything like that. Looking online, Circle of the Moon is evidently one of the hardest, if not the hardest, 2D Castlevania. So I might be more than uh, fine enough for going back through uh, Symphony of the Night, but I need to I need to clear out some other games first before I start that. So that might be a January project or something. We'll see, but that will be a podcast in the future. Um, and when Joey is able, we will also do our difficulty discussion. So we've got a number of things we could talk about. But first, uh, next Thursday is not a podcast. Next Thursday at 9 p.m., I will be streaming a live reaction to the Video Game Awards. I'm hoping Steve will be able to be there. Um, I don't know if Joey will be there. I will see if I can get someone else to join because that would be enjoyable to do again. Um, hopefully less snark than last year. I'm trying to get that under control. So um, we'll be doing that. And of course, Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern, I will be resuming Batman Arkham Origins with Seamus Young. I think I can start filling out a more traditional schedule now. Uh, I don't have to keep it as spontaneous. So that would probably start um, this Sunday or Monday. A Like updating the schedule to have everything that I plan on doing. Rather than just, you know, spontaneous. Uh, things are calming down enough in where I am. So, anyways, that's enough for the stream. Uh, thanks for everybody joining. Thanks all you guys that showed up to listen. 
And of course, for all of you that will be listening on uh, iTunes or Google Podcasts, thank you guys for listening too. I hope you enjoyed the discussion. I hope you, and yeah, I mean, we clearly recommend just about all of these games. Maybe not Back for Blood. I mean, you're enjoying Yeah, it. Back for Blood, if you've got friends and you've got Game Pass, play Back for Blood. Don't, don't pay full it. price for it. And, and don't play with randos. Oh, never play with um, randos. Never but. play with randos. All right. uh, Words of advice. So thank you very much, everyone, and have a good night. Good night.